Hello everyone, Maria here. We're proud of the free content we have been producing since we started and would love to continue doing so. After a lot of thought and interest from others to support the podcast, we created our Patreon account. If you wish to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash openplanpodcast or through the link in the show notes. We will continue to produce our content the same way, but if you decide to support us, we would be very grateful. This will help offset some costs of feed hosting and equipment. We are also excited to invest in some podcast merch very soon, and patrons will be the first to know. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily. And I'm Maria, and this is the Open Plan Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Join us in navigating life and architecture as young professionals tackling career, education, social lives, and everything in between. Keep up with us on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. So now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Open Plan Podcast. Hello everyone. So excited to be back. Um, it is a Wednesday night, right? Wednesday? Yep. Feels like a Thursday or a Friday. It's been a long week. We always say that. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're okay. <laughs> we're always like, it's been a long week. Where? That the daylight savings thing was never an issue for me, and this year it has just taken a hit. Yeah, I don't know. I have mm-hmm. not been able to like wake up at a normal time that I used to. I'm so sleepy during the day, can't fall asleep at night. Yeah, you're not alone. I was like, What is so off? Why am I so tired? Also, was having trouble falling asleep. Like, it's so crazy, but yeah. apparently, there's a bill where they're gonna stop doing that. So <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> that would be great for everyone. Yep. Um, but yeah, let's do a little catch up. Uh, what's new with you, Maria? Well, um, been busy at work, slowly getting busier and busier, which is fun. I'm getting more more projects um, mm-hmm. to work on. And I like that they're all kind of different. So every time, you know, switch gears and it's a little bit different, but it's not a lot of the same thing. How many um, are you working on at the same time? Um, like uh, five, six. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Plus marketing. Yeah, that's but, a lot. Yeah, but it's a lot of like sometimes, like especially the residential stuff. If the client like doesn't have time to interact with it for that week, it just kind of slows down and comes back up. So okay. it's very like up know, and down. Yeah, yeah. So that's fun. And we are officially, or we officially have a venue for our wedding. Oh, <laughs> Emily so already exciting. knows this, but <laughs> yeah, very exciting. I'm so excited. Finally, feel like it's, we started so long ago, but now I can start to visualize. Yeah. No, it helps to finally get a place down. It starts feeling really real. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Maria shared some photos and it's very pretty. So we'll share it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, we're very excited to start planning the rest of everything else that you need for a wedding. Yeah, (laughs) almost a year away, kind of. Like, yeah, suddenly 2023 seems like closer than it did. I don't know. For a while, I feel like it felt very far off, but it's like coming. Right. Yeah, it's going to get here. And we need that time. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I've never been to Brazil, so we're pumped. I can't wait to see my American friends in Brazil. 
Wow. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> oh, and we'll post a picture of Maria's wedding, just like my wedding. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> be like, guys, we'll take a, a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, what about you? What's going on? For me, um, I've been super busy at work randomly, so <laughs> randomly. <kinda> did randomly. <laughs> Just so random. <laughs> um <laughs> dying. <laughs> um yeah, so I've been busy at work. It's probably not random, guys, okay? Like it's <laughs> it's normal. It's a hot market right now. Um but yeah, so I did my first project management job, I guess, wrapped that up, which was a lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, my boss like recommended me for another project. This is a transportation related project and to do to be a PM of that, too. Mm-hmm. So this is my second PM job and it has wow. been terrifying. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how do you like it or if you like it? I like it. Um, this project is interesting I don't know how much detail I want to go into, but it's like we almost took over from another consultant. Um, mm. And so I in- I inherited it almost. So it's not like I started it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the difficulty I had was just like understanding where everything was and like who the key players were. And mm-hmm. um, I think outside of that, we're finally getting the ball rolling where like finally know where all the drawings are or like, yeah. You know, who to identify for structural or MEP and um, getting all that Catching figured it. out. Yeah. So that was hard. But, you know, I actually kind of enjoy it. Like, I like setting up meetings with a team and, like, just being organized about, like, things. And, um, yeah, it's just been a crazy learning experience. Like, I'm honestly, like, writing specs right now, which I typically do not mm-hmm. get into that realm at all. Like, we usually have, like, a designated spec writer or whatever. Right. So, yeah, just getting a lot of experience and also did a cost estimate for the first time. Mm, last wow. Week, submitted it. Yeah. So that was wild. <laughs> That's just, great experience, though. Yeah, it was really good experience. And so far, like, been getting good feedback. Um, I was definitely really nervous at first being like, oh, my gosh, this is all very new. But luckily, everyone's been really supportive. Um, so, yeah, guys, it's just been it's been a lot. <laughs> work but we're we're making it we're making it work but um that's yeah, awesome. besides i'm that, proud of you <laughs> thank you it's it's crazy to transition um from like designer to manager yeah and i feel like no one really talks about that leap it kind of just falls on people's laps all of a sudden <laughs> yeah it, it's very different and i at, at least from what i've heard um like a project manager job at different firms can mean completely different things yeah so like sometimes it's more of a logistical like management kind of job sometimes they're very involved in the design and in the model so it's it's a lot so true yeah it's like what level of design are you going to be doing and for some reason i thought i was going to be like doing the drawing work but now they're like oh we need to get a cad person like they're going <laughs> to like, do Whoa. stuff and i was like that's usually me <laughs> I was assuming I was going to do that, too. I was like, are you sure you don't want me to just to do this? Like, I don't know. It's not that bad. No. But, yeah. Got to delegate it. Delegate it. Yeah. So. That's exciting. Um, personal stuff. Um, yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
they celebrated Persian New Year. Yes. My husband's Persian. Not me. But I'm here for the tradition. I'm here for parties. Yes. Yeah. I'm here to hang out with his grandma. So nice. So today we have a very special interview. This was a long time coming. We have kind of been following this guest for a while. And she's also been following our podcast since we started. She has her own podcast. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about our guest? Will do. So Bryn Young is the principal and founder of B Young Design, a design studio in San Diego. B Young Design specializes in residential architecture with an emphasis on environmental sustainability and human connection. Bryn's background is in architecture, interior design, and entrepreneurship. She started her studio at the age of 25 and has since grown into a successful award-winning firm. Bryn is always looking to expand and evolve B Young Design into more than just an architecture firm. She's involved with her community, is on the La Jolla Historical Society's Board of Directors, AI San Diego Design Awards Committee, and is an adjunct professor at California State University, Chico. Her passion is inspiring and in teaching emerging professionals, especially women and mothers, which led her to start her YouTube channel and podcast, Design, Create, Inspire. She loves being able to design custom residential projects with her team, while also being able to teach and inspire her community. Bryn holds a Master of Architecture from New School of Architecture and Design, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Interior Design, and a degree in Entrepreneurship and Small Business Management, both from Chico State. She's a licensed architect in California and NCARB certified. Whew. So she Oof. has a loaded <laughs> resume, obviously. <laughs> Outside that, um, yeah, Maria had mentioned that we both have just really looked up to her. Obviously, she started her firm very young and balanced so many ventures and having a family at the same time. So mm-hmm. she just has so, such great insight um, and realness to what that's really like. Um, and mm-hmm. we have a great conversation on the ARES, especially. So um, she's really mm-hmm. passionate about getting people licensed, which is awesome because Maria and I are on that path right now. So we really get into like what mm-hmm. it's like to experience failure and all that. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate her being like a very like open book through it all and I found it yeah eye-opening yeah yeah definitely learned a lot from her and just it was just very real like it felt very possible mm-hmm. th- like what she was doing at the same time that it's inspiring and it's something that you know sometimes you think is like oh you know I'll never be able to have my own firm or like have kids and have my own firm and be an architect and do all these things but it's it's totally doable and you know it sounded like not that she had figured it out and you know does it all, but there is a balance and there is a way to to do what's important. Totally. Super inspiring talk. We hope you enjoy it and let's get into it. Hey guys, we're in the studio with Bryn Young from B Young Studio. And she's here to join us for a little interview, a professional series. Um, me and Maria try to look for you know people that we know be great role models and people we personally look up to and it's funny with Bryn we've 
both been following each other for quite some time. And she also has a podcast and started around the same time as we did. Um, and we overall just think she's awesome and has her own studio, has a family, has side ventures. So we're so grateful to have you here, Bryn. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I love seeing other women, not only in architecture, but also podcasting and sharing it. So I'm very excited to be here with you guys. You girls, you ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I catch myself doing that all the time. I know. <laughs> we call each other bro all the time. <laughs> yeah. I still think yeah, it's bro. okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we can start diving into a little bit of your background, um, kind of how you became interested in architecture and design growing up, and what was that trajectory to make that decision um, to do that as a, as a career? Yeah, so I grew up really immersed in design world. My dad's a general contractor. He uh, built custom homes in San Diego, primarily in La Jolla. And um, so I was always going to the job site, walking around, which I loved. I loved seeing like the bones of the house and walking through at the preliminary stages and then seeing how it would progress. I uh, even worked in his office doing like bookkeeping when I was 15, <laughs> just like very much in that world. Um, so I, I had a passion for it. We would go on walks at night. We'd talk about the houses, what we liked, what we didn't. But when I expressed this love, I was told, oh, you'd make a great interior designer. And I think it was just the um, like what was expected. And so I, I never even thought of architecture as a thing. Um, I just thought, oh, you're an interior designer. So that was, okay, I'm going to be an interior designer. I was very, uh, once I set my mind on something, I get very determined, which will come back later when we talk about some of my other <laughs> things I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I, I applied, I got into the school I wanted to go to, which is Chico State up in Northern California which I didn't go to, I, I chose primarily because it was a beautiful area. There's a lot of outdoors and nature and stuff, but then they also had interior design. So sure. um, right before I left for school, I was interning with this interior designer and she told me, if you love shopping, you're going to love being an interior designer. And I'm like nodded and smiled. And in my head, I'm like, shoot, I hate shopping. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is not that's what? like it, it freaked me out. <laughs> Intra- What's the parallel there? Is it just because you're always sifting through samples? Like, samples and <laughs> Yeah, and you're like always looking on like you're shopping for furniture and you're, that's you true. know, for, for, you know, accessories and stuff. So Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, that's the, I'm like, I'll go through like the first and the second page of an online thing. And then I'm like, okay, give up. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Me and Maria feel, I think we talked about this in a previous episode about how interior design is just so thorough and like in the details and like so much respect for them. But I also did an internship in interior design. I knew it wasn't for me after that because same thing. I was just shopping a lot going through pages and pages so many finishes to go through and if you're organized or a little bit type a it can get overwhelming <laughs> so for sure yeah and it is like the amount of details i i love the projects that i work on that has an interior designer on board because the final design is so 
well executed because it's literally mm-hmm. down to like the grout dimensions and you know the the specifics that I would love to include at some point um but that there's there's it's a lot that it's yeah. a lot of detail so I went I continued to school though and luckily the the program I was in was led by an interior designer and an architect and so <clears throat> they were doing a shift uh to interior architecture so there was it was very, the way it was run was very similar to uh, like an architecture program, which was really nice. So it really set me up for that studio culture and the intensity of it. Um, and I just, it solidified what I loved. Like I had professors saying, okay, you have to stop thinking about the building and think about the interiors. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So <laughs> yeah. So I'm also, you know, in school, I wasn't a big school person, but math was always my top subject and it just made sense to me. So architecture makes a lot of sense to me. Like it's, there's math and logic to it and there's still creativity, but it's, it's like, okay, the sun is here. The wind is here. This is how it should be shaped rather than interiors is a little more like feel and arbitrary. So that was, mm-hmm. that's it's like why more parameters I, to architecture. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, is why some people don't love it. But that's kind of how I got into it. When I left my undergrad, I went and I worked for my dad's company for a while and we were doing design build, which was great. And the I, I never intended to go get my master's. If you would have asked me in high school, if I were to go get a graduate degree, I'd say, hell, I'm not going to Heck no. You know, <laughs> right. I will not go do more schooling. But I realized that I either had to work under a licensed architect for a really long time or go get my master's to become an architect. So decided to bite the bullet after, I think, two years, two or three years of working, I went and got my master's. And I'm really glad I did because I am where I am now. And um, that was one thing I always told myself. Like if I start now in 10 years, it'll be done or, you know, mm-hmm. or in five years or, or whatnot. But if I keep putting it off, like, oh, should I do it? I would probably regret it in the long run. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that the duration of architecture and how it's like, yeah, I'll be done in like 10 years, you know, but that is so such an average timeline of someone becoming an I know. that it'd be funny if yeah, someone told us in high school, it's like, yeah, it's going to take you about 10 to 15 years to complete your <laughs> career trajectory I would have been so like funny. no <laughs> exactly and you're, you're like a fraction of like a doctor which you can become about the same time <laughs> I know I, no and, well, I actually have a girlfriend who who became a pediatrician and we almost exactly followed like the same line like she finally became a doctor a pediatrician the same year I got licensed and so wow. yeah and I always like looked at the people who wanted to be a doctor, like, oh, that's insane. Crazy. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> Everyone talks about how crazy it is to be a doctor. I'm like, well, listen, let me tell you about our architecture journey. So I know, but crazy. somehow our income doesn't quite compare. So that's I something know. I want to work on with the yes. value of architecture. A lot oh, of rooms yes. there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you kind of covered, you know, how you started interiors and then, you know, eventually transitioned into architecture. So let's talk about how you started your own firm and when did that happen and what made you want to, I guess, kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So I grew up with a family of entrepreneurs. Um, 
you know, my dad had his company and my grandpa had one of the first pharmacies down or in his little town. And yeah. my grandma even, I don't even, she was like this crazy secret entrepreneur who knows what she was doing, but she was just hustling like all the time. <laughs> she did real estate, all sorts of stuff. So it was just, I, I grew up selling stuff to the neighbors and it was just in my bones. So I always knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to run a business. So in undergrad, I got a minor in entrepreneurship and it was always the long-term goal. Um, then when I was actually in architecture school, I realized, okay, I should probably go work for another firm for a couple years, get all my my hours done and then and get a bunch of experience, maybe work for you know multiple firms and then go off on my own, which was the plan. And but I, at the time I was doing some smaller like design build projects with my dad's company, which is a small company. So I was essentially doing all the design and which set me up really well to learn like how to work with the clients what the entire process is like. It gave me a lot of freedom. So it gave me a lot of confidence too in in my ability to do it and to talk to clients and and get it all done. Um, And then my, the summer or May, right before I started my thesis year of my master's, I got pregnant with my first daughter, which is very exciting. My husband and I had been married for a long time and, um, you know, but it, it was, kind of planned, but also not totally planned at the exact time that we thought. And so we were like, oh, okay. Um, So she was due in January, which was the beginning of, she was due the first week of winter quarter of my Mm -hmm. business. And I I had people saying like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? And I'm like, heck no, I'm not going to quit, but I'm just going (laughs) to strategize how to make this work. So I chose a year-long thesis instead of a six-month thesis so that I could work really hard on it the first uh, the first two quarters or mm-hmm. yeah first two quarters mm-hmm. and then gave myself a little bit of a buffer and also my my professors were incredible and understanding where I was still turning in work newborn sleep a lot so I was able to kind of work while she slept and I was able to get it done but that also wow. changed. Yeah, it was kind of nuts. I mean, like, I have so much respect for you. That (laughs) school while being pregnant, a and then having a newborn while in school, I just that's a lot, and that's amazing. I was definitely known as the pregnant girl at school because I was (laughs) like, not. I went. I met my thesis advisor the day before my due date, and I come to school. We're in the library, and she's like, "When are you due?" I'm like, "No." Now, <laughs> like, why are you here? Like, you're like, looking I don't real know pregnant. because I figured I'd meet with you before my baby came. Oh my gosh! Well, I hope no one let you like lift heavy models or I don't know, <laughs> no, open doors it, for you or something. I don't know. No, although the funny story is um, that is how I slipped it to one of my friends. He was the first one I told I was pregnant because we were doing laser cutting, and at the time I was designing a. Uh, like glass building. So I needed to laser cut acrylic, but I was pregnant. I was only like three months pregnant. So I didn't want to go in there and laser cut. So I'm like, can you laser cut this for me? He's like, why? I'm like, I'm pregnant. 
he's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, don't tell anyone. But I also really don't want to like harm my baby by smelling these fumes. So that's most architecture pregnancy reveal. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And a great excuse not to go in the laser cutting room. So that's I know, right? And a good excuse to be like, yeah, don't screw up my model. Can you also <laughs> like glue me. it together? Like the glue yeah. and my fingers. Yeah. The glue. <laughs> yeah. Also the, present it because the, the stress on my body. Because then, so. <laughs> yeah. So it was a wild time. I think those six months were a blur, but it kind of, so my goal was, okay, I worked really hard from, you know, since I was pre- pretty much 15. So I have this baby after I graduate, I'm going to give myself a couple month break just to like breathe a little bit, but it also my, my own company or my own projects were still kind of flowing a little bit. And I was starting to realize like I could have as much flexibility as I want, save money on childcare, be home with the kid. I worked uh, like a lot at night, which it just, it worked. It was fine. Um, and so I kept being like, okay, well maybe I'll go apply for jobs. Like I could, but then I would do the math and I was like, I would be working two to three times more, but making probably like a little bit more, but it, but then having to pay for like childcare, it just wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, having her forced me into sticking with having my own my own thing and and continuing it on. And I do want to say though, with it, like I I have a husband who was making an income too. So it did allow me like, you know, a little bit of that flexibility to not be making much for a few years. And my firm didn't make much for quite a few of the early years. So Mm -hmm. it definitely what did allow me to have a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's important to identify your support system before taking the plunge, um, for sure. So that's great that, you know, you have the support of your husband, too. So, yeah, especially the first couple of years, you can't expect to just like, I don't know, I think it's very normal to start slow. And, you know, yeah, really and that's, in money. Each year, I'm like, don't worry, this is the year. Like, <laughs> we got this. Like, <laughs> it's a slow build. But that's always been something, too, that's important to me, like, having a slow and steady build rather than just weren't like thinking it's going to triple overnight and th- and then giving up if it doesn't. So I've the company I got my business license in 2015 for it, so it's been like 7 years now and just maybe 2 years ago, well, 2020 was weird. 2021 just started like finally getting past the point of like it finally got to the next level, which was great. So, mm-hmm. but if you tell someone that too, like we were saying with architecture in school, if you tell someone, okay, you, yeah, go into business, but it'll probably be the first five years will be kind of a struggle and you might not be making much and stuff. And they're like, well, forget that. But then there's, there's potential for a lot more growth and mm-hmm. control over that growth, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's really cool that you had that kind of um, experience with your dad and like that a few projects on your own already because I think that a lot of times, at least for me, like we don't have a lot of real life experience even like on our own, especially mm-hmm. in the city that's like so big with all these big firms that usually, you know, we end up 
interning and doing huge projects that we could never do on our own. So mm-hmm. we were always like, I guess, in awe of people that graduate and start their companies because we can't even imagine doing that. Um, I mean, so, it yeah. starts so small too, though, like a little bathroom remodel and then mm-hmm. a, a kitchen remodel. And then it's slowly, it was, I mean, my first project was literally just like finishes. And then I, I, we, we reduced a hallway closet to bring in a closet into the master, you know, it's like not glamorous yeah. jobs mm-hmm. or anything. Like starting but, out small yeah. though, I think that's really important though. And like building the confidence yeah. and the, right. the skills yeah. over time. Yeah, and you and you make mistakes too during those times, which it's nice to make a mistake on a small project like that, mm-hmm. rather than like I think of some of the projects I have now, and I, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't have those projects when I first started because I would have been really overwhelmed. I probably would have made a lot more mistakes. I wouldn't have had the lessons that I've had up to this point. So, I think it's all happened in the way it's had to happen you just have to be patient with that and even still like the projects I'm ha- I'm just getting to the point where now it's like I'm I'm getting those more uh, you know the sexy projects and <laughs> and it's still like maybe one over like 10 you know so but yeah it's a yeah. slow progression yeah and you have the other projects to fund this the sexy project and that yeah. everyone sees on social and on the website, but it's like, no, it gets, that needs to be paid for somehow too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier and you, you've been talking about it as, as you've been speaking about your journey, but we would love to learn more about how you balance, you know, having a family and then running a firm. And we're going to get into all the other things that you're doing at the same time. So um Marie and I are always interested because um, we're going to be starting that phase of our lives soon as well. And, you know, how, I guess, balancing having kids, having a husband, things like that while working in architecture, especially with your own firm. So, yeah, how's that going? <laughs> I mean, it's not easy and it really isn't. Um, the first year of having a kid is the hardest year ever. And being a mom is really hard. So I was always really a worker. I always have loved to work. Like work is where I like get my passion. It still is. And so it's a little, it's hard because I have to fight that with like slowing down and being and playing with my kids and stuff, Mm -hmm. which I is so important. And I try to make specific time, but then it's like, I always am pulled to wanting to work, which is good for business because, you know, it keeps rolling, but it, it, it's a hard thing. It is hard to balance it all. Um, again, the first year is really hard. So, uh, well, especially cause the first year of my daughter, we, I, you know, I was in school and then mm-hmm. ha- making it all happen. So we knew we wanted to have two kids, but it was because I knew that, first year I was, we were like, we kept putting it off, kept putting it off because once they're older, then they can go in childcare. Um, they can go once they're in school, it's so much easier. You have, you know, eight 30 to two 30 of undivided time, which is incredible. Um, and so we kept putting it off, but my daughter was, uh, three and a half. We're like, okay, it's time. If we're going to do it, we just got to do it, bite the bullet. And so now my second daughter is eight months old. And 
I can confirm the first year is the hardest year like, ever. Again. <laughs> Second time oh, around, yeah. still yeah. the hardest year. Still the, still the hardest. Of it. Yeah, because you're, you know, especially as a woman, your body's, you know, needed all the time mm-hmm. for the baby. Right. Um, the sleep is not easy. And then they're also just, especially right now, she's crawling around and so she can be entertained for a minute, but then she's, you know, it's just short tension span. So it's just, it's hard. So this time around, we just got a nanny like four weeks ago, which we needed to for a long time. And we only have her two days a week. And we're like, can you move in? Like, <laughs> we need you 24 <laughs> seven. So, a game changer. It has been a game changer. And I, I like feel like a better mom even because she, my daughter is like entertained more, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like putting her on the floor and working next to her the whole time, which I still do. Um, but at least now she has that. And then now luckily my husband works from home. And so we kind of shift off. So mm-hmm. having my own company does make it nice because I'm flexible, I schedule my meetings the days when uh, the nanny's here. And then otherwise, I'm, you know, when he's in meetings, I'm helping with her when I have meetings or or when I have to do something. Like right now, he's with the girls. Um, and then, yes, but it's a lot of trade-off and it's not easy. But we, you know, I think that if you like what you do, it's it's manageable. And then if you can get help and support, then it's even more mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. So we we have family here in San Diego. Um, they help out when they can, but everyone else is busy too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah so but but that's also, you know, now that the the company has been um growing. I now have two team members. I have a full-time uh woman who works for me and a part-time. That mm-hmm. has been a game changer because I would not be able to do it without them. Because now um I can be holding my daughter and like on Slack on my phone right. and delegating. Um, I'm not on the computer designing as much. I'll do like quick sketches and send it mm-hmm. over. So that has been I mean, I I was always scared to bring on a team. I think hiring is something that small firms, especially like solopreneurs, it's always kind of scary to do. Mm-hmm. But I finally, uh, you know, I, I hired her <clears throat> my first, uh, I hired my first team member when I was like three months pregnant. Cause I'm like, I gotta, I gotta prep for this. <laughs> there needs so, to be someone else in this firm. <laughs> I get you yeah. trained five months in. I'm like, just so you know, I'm going to be on maternity <laughs> leave, which doesn't right. happen when you run your own thing. Um, but, and so things were able to kind of keep moving. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, I, I would not be able to do what I do without all the support, the family, the help, the hired help, which needs to be more and the team members. So Sure. Yeah. It's not a, if anyone tells you they're doing it all on their own, they're either doing it really bad or they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not doing any of it correctly. Yeah. yeah. It's too hard. Um, so did you take any time off at all, I guess, between like 
having your daughter and then getting back to work at all? Like, was there like a little bit of a recovery time? Or uh, It's so bad because like, if I were my, if I, if I had an employee who had a baby, I would be like, take your time. Don't respond to anything. But as the boss, it's just like, and I don't like using that word as the leader. I don't know. <laughs> um, I no, not really. Honestly, I think I think I I I could probably say I took a good week and a half or two weeks, which is not anything. It's not like I don't like this hustle culture where it's like I'm not really proud to say that, but I did take it easy. Um, but I did start kind of responding to messages a little bit. I also was able to strategize my projects. So I had a lot of big projects that went into um, uh, permitting or construction right when the baby was born. And I just put off projects. I told people she was born in July. I told people we weren't taking on any new projects till August. Uh, So that gave a little bit of a buffer, but there were still like some questions. And I, my clients were all really understanding. I sent Mm -hmm. out an email which I went through this whole kind of, you know, um, insecurity, I think, about being a woman, a pregnant woman, and being an architect and, like, the head architect of a firm. So I I was, like, nervous to tell my clients that I was pregnant because, oh, what are they, am I, they going to think, like, their projects aren't going to be handled or I'm just going to have the baby and then run off and not come back to architecture all that kind of stuff totally not the case and unfair but yes (laughs) I know and that's I I would talk to a couple people about it during that time and they're like I I think that's just in your own head because I don't think your clients will think that and it totally was in my own head but it is something that I think you know we deal with like being in a male-dominated industry and uh just though we don't see a lot of role models in that position. And Mm -hmm. so we think like, okay, well, maybe that's because people don't want that or because you can't have that or can't do that. So I sent out a email to my clients. I was a little nervous about it, but I was just like, and I think I did it like a week or two before I was due. And I was like, by the way, (laughs) I'll tell you. I'm having a baby in two weeks. You're like, what? Because <laughs> now everything's virtual too. So I wasn't doing right. this in-person meetings. So I'd like yeah. meet like this and they didn't know. I was like, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just above the head. Yeah. <laughs> but they were really sweet. And, and uh, for the most part, they were really respectful during that quiet time. And it did allow me to rest a little bit. I watched a lot of masterclass, which is exciting. I'm always, yeah, so good. And I'm always, I'm always learning and taking courses and stuff like that, just to, you know, reading and stuff. So I enjoyed that time of it, but it wasn't that much time. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that like, I guess in your situation, going back to work doesn't, it didn't mean going back into the office 40 right. hours a week, yes. which is a huge difference. I feel sure. like that's why like we try to advocate for, you know, proper maternity leave if you're in a more corporate firm, because that is just not realistic. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that that's a great kind of, um, I mean, you already had a kid when you started your firm, so it's you already knew that that flexibility was very valuable mm-hmm. so I think it's like 
a very big difference between going back to work slowly in your own firm versus going back to an office that's a really good point and like setting meetings at your own time and whereas when you're a part of a corporate firm everything else is on someone else's schedule and you have to abide by it but yeah 100 i think i think that's a really good important thing to discuss because like i say like i don't want people to feel like oh I'm two weeks postpartum, I should go back to work because that's what she did or whatever, because it is so different. Like when I say that I was, you know, in, you know, with my, you know, breastfeeding (laughs) while I'm sitting there and I'm writing out emails or sketching and stuff. So, so mentally I was back in it, which, which, you know, would have been nice to like, just mentally take a little bit more of a break, but Physically, I was at home. I was still mm-hmm. very much, you know, in the recovery process and, and whatnot. Which is so important. Yeah. 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 Although I do have to say, uh, I did end up teaching um, up at Chico State. I t- taught their intro to interior design. They asked me, uh, like back in March, if I wanted to do it for the fall. And it was just a great opportunity. I just, I really loved the idea of of teaching and, and doing that. And so I said, yes, but I don't know if I really put it together, but the first day of classes, my daughter was only five weeks old. (laughs) So, Oh, wow. (laughs) That was a little, a little, and again, it was virtual, so it was possible, but Mm -hmm. I probably would not have done that again. I would not recommend that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like in retrospect, that sounded cool, but then it just all aligned everything at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it and and looking back, like I really I really enjoyed uh I really enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed seeing these young people who most of them were freshmen. Some of them were getting ready to graduate, but most were freshmen because it was an intro course. And it was really exciting to see people excited about it, people who have never even talked about what even is design. Um, so it kind of brought me back and it, it, I, it got me really excited. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, it just, the timing was a little off. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's a good segue because um, we wanted to hear a little bit more about how you maintain your other ventures like teaching um, and your other business um, podcasting and just all the resources that you put together for AREs and things like mm-hmm. that. So how does that fit into your firm and, you know, your day to day? Yeah. So with teaching it, the professor I was taking over for was on a sabbatical and they only teach that class in the fall. So I only taught it for the fall, which was good when it was over just because it was a lot more work than I had anticipated. I basically created the entire class, like put together the slides and, and everything, which I didn't totally expect when, when taking it on. Um, I kind of hope that they will take me back now again and I can teach it again because now I have that material. You have all the material, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So much easier. Yeah, make it worth it because I, I just did the work. put so many hours into putting these together. Wow. Um, and that that was, uh, I just, I ended up working a lot of nights. So I put the help put the kids together. My husband would help put the kids to, get, uh, to bed. And then I would go to work. And so I would... 
I'd work during the day too, but that was usually when I would do the lessons. So I'd work sometimes till like 12 or 1 a.m. And then, and then, yeah, and then go to bed, um, which I, I'm kind of a night owl. So I don't totally hate that. It is hard though when you have a baby whose sleep is unpredictable. So that was a little hard. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I, I love teaching. But once that, I, I have to say that when I was teaching, the podcast kind of fell back. So I wasn't doing that as much because it was too much. So that's something I really enjoy about the podcast and YouTube and everything is that it can be on my own time. I don't have a client that I have to fit a deadline for. I have people, you know, who are interested that I want to, I'll get messages on Instagram or even emails, just like, Hey, this helped me a lot. This, I just got an email yesterday from this guy who said he's, he's over 40. He got out of the industry for a little while and he is back in it and was watching some videos and just inspired that, like, I don't know, that there's youth in the industry and also change and, and just all this stuff. And it was like, I love it. Like it was just nice to help other people. And, um, I, wasn't going to do YouTube. Well, I, I, I put out my first ARE video back in early. Which I watched. April. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's actually I, how I found you. I think originally, is that how I first, I think I watched maybe. you on YouTube. And then when we followed <laughs> each other, I was like, oh my gosh, I've watched her before. Because, <laughs> on, because you're like the first video that comes up when it's like, I failed an ARE, which I looked up. Okay, so that was what I looked up. I'm like, I literally left my exam and I typed in, I failed the area and like, there was nothing really that like, I think there was one article that came up that made me feel a little bit better. But that was like, I wanted, after going through the whole process and realizing like, how common it is, how much we needed to talk about it. And so common. Mm-hmm. It's so common. We all go through it. We all like, contemplate our entire career during it because we're like am I not meant to be an architect do I is everyone else going through this or is this just me I sleep for school (laughs) no yeah it's like so nice to hear like someone else like for like hearing you say that you know like I went through it I made it past it like there is Mm -hmm. a light at the end of the tunnel and it's okay normal to have these thoughts and you'll get through it like you're gonna feel bad for like a couple days and then you just yeah get back on it um yeah. yeah it's so funny I was telling my husband Ashcon, I was like oh I just watched this girl on YouTube which made me feel so much better <laughs> and he was like I told you this and I was like it's not the same from you <laughs> it's, not the same. It, it's not the same and and well and also it's not the same from someone who's like I don't know when you're like in it mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of emotions to it and it's it's like it's okay to feel the feels yeah. because it's totally natural but that was why I put that first video out and it's obviously, yeah, got, it's got a lot of traction and I was, I want to provide more of that. I want to, I, I get people who, who are, I've have told me that they haven't even taken their first exam cause they're just too scared to fail or, you know, and, and so that's one of my biggest missions is like get more people in there taking it, more people licensed, more parents, you know, women and women and mothers, of course, too, but like 
parents, I think, I think dads also have a hard time with it too, because mm-hmm. once you have kids involved, it is a lot going on. Can't even imagine. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of why I started all that. Um, my goal is to have some sort of, I've, I'm releasing soon this, like a small group coaching program for people taking the AREs, which has been, you should see my notes on my phone. I literally have, I already have like some uh, podcast episodes fully done. I already have like all this stuff. I just have to, I just need the time to get it out there. But one thing, um, because I have so many people who message about like the fear, the anxiety, all that stuff about taking the ARES, I really want to put together a group that everyone can kind of help each other. People can feel vulnerable about it. It's not just like, there's so many great test prep coaching and and, um, tests and stuff out there. But I don't think there's enough talked or or, uh, focused on the mindset of it. And it's a, it's, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into um, taking the exams and not to, you know, freak people out because it's worth it. But but we yeah. should all have support and have strategies while going through it as well. So true. It's definitely a mindset shift, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and it's something that's trained. Like it's something that you go in feeling a certain way. And then once you take it a certain number of times, you just become, I don't know if it's like numb or like, you're just <laughs> like, it is what it is. I'm going to treat this like I'm not afraid of it anymore. And if I fail, I think like something we also wanted to talk to you about is kind of just like the the fear of failure and how mm-hmm. how people need to learn to accept failure, especially in our industry where I think perfectionism is so mm-hmm. sought after. And it's like, no, like if I fail, that means I'm not a good architect. And it's like, how? what advice, I guess, do you have for people who, and you had kind of touched on this, but are afraid of taking the test or are afraid of failure? I have so much advice on this because <laughs> I, I mean, one, I think I come from a point, uh, uh, like I said earlier, I'm really a determined person. So when I kind of put my mind towards something, I'm also kind of stubborn. So it's like, if you tell me I can't do something, or if you tell me I failed, I'm going to pass, I'm going to get it done so one way or another. I'm also, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to get it done. So not everyone is like that, which is totally fine, but there is a mindset shift that you can work on to get you through it. And one of the biggest things is failing helps us learn. So the one way I think about it too, is every time I took my exam, if I were to pass it on the first time, I'd know the material, but I probably wouldn't have known it as well as I do now. So every time I failed, I went through that material so much deeper I got even more, I I think I'm a better architect now because I failed some of the exams and I had to switch how I was learning it. Um, Also kind of switch the ego of it. Like, you know, like you say, especially in this industry where we tend to be perfectionists, there's a lot of ego in it. Mm -hmm. So we go in like, oh, I I aced all my studios. I got this. It's a kind of people that probably never failed a test in their life, pretty much. Like, you know, they come in and just to see that, it's shocking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I, it, to break down the ego, 
doesn't feel good, but in the long run, it's really humbling and it is good. And so every time you fail, look at it as a uh, great, now I'm going to be a better architect in the long run. The silver lining. Exactly. The silver lining. The other thing too, is I feel like they almost have to change the word fail on the exam because there's so many exams. I don't think you fail unless you give up and don't keep taking them. Mm-hmm. Once you're done, nobody's going to know how many you failed. Nobody's going to ask you like, oh, right. congratulations, you're an architect. How many tests did you fail? So You're an architect, like <laughs> a, a 70% architect because you failed a couple. Like yeah. that's not how it works. Exactly. <laughs> a rolling so, clock is yeah. so, for like, you know, five years, it's like you can keep going back and taking it. It's not like you need to pass one to go to the next one and you're like stuck at a certain point. So it is more flexible than that. Totally. So I think, I think every time you see a fail on the screen, looking at it as like, you know, you'll do better next time. And, and it is deflating because it takes a lot of time and energy and pressure to get, get in there and take it, even just sitting there for three or five hours just to take it. It's a lot, but it is so worth it in the end. Um, I don't know. I, I was always like, I didn't want to go through all of the schooling and everything and then continually have to explain to people what kind of designer I am without using the word architect. Like, this right. is like I'm an architect. I mean, I'm a designer. What kind of designer? Like graphic? No, like buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Architectural <laughs> designer. And they're like, can yeah. you just say that? Oh, so an architect? Well, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I, I do have to say too, that the first time you fail, it's, I don't think that that mindset shift comes right away. It's going to take time and it's something you have to work on. Um, But as long as you don't give up, then you're not failing. Right. I like that a lot. It's so Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. And it's so worth it when you do get that pass. If you did fail before that, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, take that. Like, you know, and it's like, like, I just, I failed PA and I just passed PA and I literally almost cried. I I did kind (laughs) of cry. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I would. Yeah. I was sitting, I was, I was looking at the past, just like, oh my god! And they're like, probably I'm like, I'm just gonna at me stay here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to take so a photo. Can I stay here for twenty minutes, just looking yeah. at it? Yeah, well, it's just like a sigh of relief. I think that I, oh, I unmatched. Think that when you when you go when you click, like yes, see my results. The the heart palpitations that you get is so it's nuts and so out of body, the pounding. It's so out of body. And like you're saying, like whether it says pass or fail, I feel like you almost get like the same amount of like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's going over. the whole time at the test too. Like yeah. I felt like I was like, my heart rate has been high for five hours, like or yeah. three hours. And then you finally get that calm down. And even when you see a fail, you do get a calm down after because yeah. you're like, at least I know. Um, yeah. So there's always a sense of relief at the end. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I want to like, I want to talk about and teach about and stuff is even just like day of testing strategies to relax or to shift mindset or to put yourself in just strategies that you can take that so much of it. Like, I think there's a lot of it that has to, when you, fail an exam or you don't pass the exam sometimes you know all the material but you know when you're when you're so consumed with this energy of taking it 
you may skip words or you may just make really simple mistakes like on an equation question where you don't convert it properly. Like it's, it's, you totally know it, but it's just these little things because you're so overwhelmed with, with the pressure and um, just the energy of taking the exam. So figuring out certain strategies that work for you, whether that's working out before the exam or just like really deep breaths or visualization, um, all those things that can really help you just mentally calm yourself down so that you are in the right mindset to be able to take it. Sure. And it really is a game of learning to take a test, like Mm -hmm. almost like 75% content, 25%, whatever, um, learning how to take a test because it's Mm -hmm. really just reading comprehension and knowing how to not like, I think it was a game changer when you learn how to actually read their lingo, the end card way of saying things. So so true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on like, you know, again, I have the, I have the um, episodes that go over the specific exams, but I'm also just, you can find so much good content out there. Great practice exams, great like study groups out there. I'm not really interested in reinventing the wheel. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in kind of talking about the other side of it that, like you say, like if that's 25% or, or whatever of it, we need to also be really focusing on that and in, yeah. in order to get us to be able to use all that other content that we've, we've paid a lot of money for and worked really hard to study. Right. And it feels good to, uh, I just want to be a support for people where I didn't feel like I necessarily had that while going through the exams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, we could go on about these exams forever because yeah. this is just like it's such a hot topic. So this is a really good conversation. I'm glad it's out there that yeah. I think it needs to be talked about more. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, so other than a lot of the ARE things that we know could be different, could be a little bit more equitable, um, what are some maybe one big thing that you, if you had all the power in the world, could change about the architecture industry? I would change the public's perception and value placed on architects and architecture. I think that this is a really big issue that I I hear so much with other architects is, oh, well, I'm only charging this much because the client doesn't see the value in this. And so I can't even, people are like, aren't even charging Mm -hmm. what they should be. And so in turn, it becomes this ripple effect where if the, so graduating from your master's and even with some experience and going off to a big firm that does multi-million dollar projects and your starting wage is like 50,000, there's, that's not okay. And even like, Oh, free internships. That's not okay. I mean, and even 50, 60,000 or, you know, whatever, because it's different in everybody's different realm. But even I was looking at even some of the top firms or I don't know, top in my area, and you have been working for 20 years. It's like the max is like 120. And, and there's just like, it stops just, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's just no, and then, you know, you talk to a nurse practitioner or a, um, you know, a doctor that's just starting out and their starting is like 
220 or like yeah. 250. It's- and and like you were saying earlier how our our path to becoming a licensed architect is very similar to the path of becoming a doctor. And there's uh you know so many times I have a few friends who are doctors and when I was going through the architecture process um they were you know oh you have to take this many uh tests and like didn't understand that process at all of it and so i think educating the public more about why we do it what the process is like why we bring value uh, one person said to me just like a week ago is oh i always thought architects were just like the middleman <laughs> like oh Okay. Yeah, um, I have like, that question all the time. Yeah. It's really unclear what we do. Like, yeah. even my like really good friends, like I've gone to school where they're like, so what do you do during the day? Mm-hmm. Like as an architect, because it's like, do you really design a building? Like mm-hmm. you design the building. And I'm like, yes. And like, yeah, and they're like, well, but isn't the structural engineer like the one's like, no, like, and, and if our, if we have just... to know it too, we have to well, know and structures they... too. Yeah, exactly. And electrical and mechanical and soils and, you know, um, psychology. And so if if our the definition of an architect is to protect the health, the safety and the welfare of the general public, and they spend 90 percent of their time in buildings that architects design, I think we and the whole public should put a much higher value on the people that bring those. Yeah. So, yeah, that is what fires me up. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And it's just not comparable to other industries, our salaries. It's insane how what yeah. a discrepancy there is between the two, especially with the amount, we've talked about this a lot, but the amount of education we have and the journey to get there. And when I'm, so, you know, I work on custom residential homes and the you work with a, a a client who buys a million dollar house you know here in san diego along the coast you buy a fixer upper for like 1.5 which is nuts but they buy that they pay their realtor like i don't know the the buyer and the seller three percent or whatever and i know that they do a lot of work with all this stuff but then that they don't even want to pay the architect who's going to design this house that they're going to live in and raise their kids in and move around in and make right. sure that everything is and healthy and water is not coming in and there's not mold and and they don't want it they don't they don't put that same value on that and that's just it's so hard because I want to pay my employees top dollar I also want to give them benefits I want to do all these things but then it's like I also when I try to put my value on the projects and the proposals, you end up not getting them because there's someone cheaper. So that's the thing. There's always someone cheaper. They're like, Oh, I found this architect who'll do it for like this much. And you're You're like, like, well, when did this start? (laughs) Whoever did this thing where it's like, Oh, we'll go lower. They need to be. (laughs) No, we should have been firmer from the beginning. So bad. Well, and, and there was that rule with the like not being able to publish fees. I don't know. I think, I don't know if that was AIA or um, there's like, because of the competition or maybe that's only public projects or something like that. I remember learning that in school. And I, I think that there's this big kind of secrecy in architecture of like not telling other firms or not telling other architects, 
how much you charge. There's almost an issue with that too, because then it's like, then there's no like, hey, we should be charging this much because this yeah. is our value. And so everyone's lowballing it because they're not sure. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to, on the podcast and everything, I want to, I really want to inspire you know, people who are taking the exams and people who are getting licensed. But I also do want to create some um, understanding of value and charging and pricing and stuff with clients too. So Mm -hmm. even if that's helping people who are architects who want to start their own business, understanding their own value in order to properly submit proposals and everything, because even that was my, it was another mind mindset thing is understanding my own value in order to give a proposal and be okay with them saying no, or be okay with mm-hmm. me even saying like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that for that price. So that was even a big shift too. So yeah, that's scary, especially for a small firm mm-hmm. to say, no, it's okay. I will not lower my fee because it's not worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing that just this last year. So it's not even like, it's been a long time because it was scary. But at the same time, like I'm realizing that by saying no, I'm saying yes to maybe something else that will come in and be more worth it. But I don't know. Or I'll go under in a year. But (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I don't see that happening for you at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's great. Um, And another question that we didn't really get to earlier um, is just kind of a fun question that we always ask, but um, we know you're from San Diego and Mm -hmm. you currently run your firm there. So this is something that we might ask of you like later to provide some images of because we're trying to do like a travel series. Um, Oh, yeah. But we'd love to know some of your favorite places in San Diego. Um, I, side note, just went there for the first time this past fall and loved it. and I went with my husband and he's like, we're moving here. Like yeah. we have to, he both, we both learned to surf and really oh, leaned in. But we loved it. I'm actually going back again for a bachelorette party. Um, oh, fun. So always love to learn what other art, like, you know, the architects we have on what their favorite places are in these cities and highlight it. Well, San Diego has so many gems. I mean, Balboa Park is beautiful for architecture, but I mean, there's so many great spots, but La Jolla is definitely my, I mean, I was born and raised in La Jolla. My, I'm third generation, so beautiful. fourth generation. I can't believe that. Yeah. My, my, my people live here. My dad's, my dad's kindergarten teacher, or no, my dad's fifth grade teacher was my kindergarten teacher. And then like my grandparents Aww. grew up there. So Aww. it was like, everyone sticks I, around. <laughs> Yeah, so we've all been there. And so it was just kind of my stomping grounds, which was, yes, very lucky to be <laughs> with that. So that's definitely where is, I think, the most beautiful place. La Jolla Cove is where my grandparents met, actually. And <laughs> where all the seals are? Yeah. <laughs> On the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you come to San Diego, you have to go to La Jolla. Um, all the beaches along there is my top favorite blacks beach is gorgeous because um there's a really nice decent hike down to it but once you get down there it's like nobody's there because you have to hike down to it Mm -hmm. um and then up by blacks beach 
there's some incredible architecture up by UCSD. So like the Salk Institute is right there. Mm -hmm. And then even UCSD itself has some really incredible buildings. So if you're an architect and want to come on like a little beach slash architecture tour, I definitely recommend like La Jolla through, I mean, Black's Beach is in La Jolla, but like the village into Black's Beach and then architecture all along there. And even the house is along there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so inspiring. Wow. Should I go drop off from the rest of the bachelorette trip? Be like, be right back. I just go to yeah. UCS. Can gonna, I crash? I'm going to go on a little architecture tour. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Maria, yeah. you need to come. I know. I've like, been oh, to San Diego a really long time ago, but it was only like at night. Like we just passed by it and I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> well, you awesome. guys come back when you're here. Let me know. Yeah. I'll give you a little, meet IRL. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll come. I'll come out with your bachelorette party. <laughs> what are you doing here? Such a small world. <laughs> Leave the kids. It's a tour guide. Yeah. I don't feel old until I go to PB, and I'm like, oh, 21 year olds are really young. <laughs> we don't look like fun. them anymore. Yeah. I know. They're born in like 2001, or it's so. Oh crazy. my god. I know, guys. That's nuts. That's well, thank you guys so much for having me on here. It was, I was really happy when you reached out because I love what you're doing. And so I love, you know, women supporting other women. It's good. Yeah. Thank you, thank so you for taking the time. We're always looking up to you and listening to your podcasts and consuming your content yeah. online. So it's super, super fun to have met finally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and if people want to find me, um, it's kind of confusing because my podcast is called design, create, inspire. But my YouTube and my Instagram are beyond design because that's my architecture firm. So I don't know if I'm going to switch one or the other around at some point, but either way, so one yeah. way, you, one outlet, you can find me. We will put all the links in the Perfect. show notes and yes. yes. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Bryn. Bryn.